This is our first episode. Yeah, this is our first <laughs> one. We fucking decided to do it on a whim, just because we're bored. But yeah, this is LFMF Podcast. Um, you guys may or may not know us. I'm Ben. This is Asher. Uh, we grew up here in Arizona together. <clears throat> and yeah, honestly, we don't even know what the fuck we're going to talk about half the time, but um, we're just talking about life and shit we've learned, and we'll bring some other people on and talk about the stuff they learned in life, and other than that, though, we're just trying to have fun with it. Yeah, I think this one's going to be a good one. We're going to just start off by uh, interviewing Ben so you guys can get to know him a little bit better. Uh, so, we're just going to start off with your early life. I think that's the best place to start, just because yeah. chronologically it's going to make the most sense. So, yeah. if you just want to take it from there. So, like, early life... I grew up here in Glendale. Uh, I have an older brother, Adam. And my parents were divorced when I was around four. So I don't really remember like having divorced parents, which is like weird to say. I just know that like either I'm at my mom's house or my dad's house, and that's how it kind of was from an early age. So it's just like all you knew. Yeah, it's just pretty much like that. Yeah, I mean, you're you're so young, you don't really remember when they were like fighting or stuff like that, but. That's that. And how they? How are they? How they deal with that? With just like the kids going back and forth, were they cool with each other? Uh, when we were younger, it was definitely kind of weird. Like there's like, you know, kind of your parents would talk shit about each other, and like you don't know the truth to the story, like why they fucking separated, but they just did. So like you, you know, and your impression was a kid, so you're just like you don't really know, and you hear one thing and then hear another thing, and they kind of contradict each other, which is like the weird part, but. Other than that, it's just, like, they made it work out. Um, with us being uh, young, they didn't really want to bring that part um, of their, like, relationship or their marriage into our life because it didn't really bother us. It didn't matter to us either. So you never had to do that thing, like, in the movies where they have to choose one of the parents to stay with? No, no. I, I didn't have to do that. And thank That's God good. I didn't because that'd be fucked up for, like, <clears throat> a kid, you know, for, I mean, any age. That'd be, like, messed up to do to a kid, like, say you have to pick one or the other. I don't think that's fair at all. Um, but obviously, like, the, the scenario we were in, we didn't have to choose, which is a good thing. Like, they're both fit to be, like, normal parents. Like, there's nothing wrong with them. They just didn't get along. And, you know, other than that, like, that was, that was like, life beforehand, like, the most meaningful part. Um, but then, like, kind of skipping ahead, like, I'll, I'll fast forward a bunch of stuff here to, like, let's probably say, like, high school. We talk about high school, maybe. So obviously me and Asher, we went to, uh, we went to the same high school, Glendale Prep. We also went to the same middle school. We dude. also went to the same middle school, <laughs> which is also Glendale Prep, but not a lot happened in our middle school. Fill, fill them in on what prep school is like. Dude, prep school is... Did you like it? When I was young, I liked it. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Like, Because you went to an elementary school that was also... Yeah, I went to like a, a charter elementary school with a few of my other friends that I'm still pretty, pretty close with now. Um... So yeah, I never went to like a public school. I never knew what that experience was like. Like, we I just grew up with the same like pretty much like thirty to fifty kids, and that's all I knew really. Um, shit. Uh, but yeah, that I mean, small schools my whole life. You know, fast forward to like sixth grade, I'm going to Glendale Prep for the first time. That's when I meet Asher. We're both in the same, the same uh, sixth grade section. So like, I had him for like all my classes and stuff, and then a few of my other friends. And then those friends kind of stayed throughout, like, my life all the way till high school. Um, I feel like we were cool in, like, middle school, but we didn't talk as much because yeah, you, you kind of associated more with those kids from the elementary school. Yeah, I was pretty Just because you knew them. Yeah, exactly. I was pretty close to, like, a lot of the same uh, homies I had from elementary school into middle school. 
But I think kind of like eighth grade rolls around. That's when we like went to that new campus. So yeah. Glendale Prep built a new school that we went to. And that's when it kind of like, it kind of like set the groundwork for what high school is going to look like. Not saying like, you know, it was hard and true. Like you're just stuck with these kids forever. But like, you know, eighth grade is usually when people decide whether they want to stay at Glendale Prep or whether they want to go to like a public high school. Obviously we, we chose, I mean, well, we didn't choose, but our parents chose <laughs> yeah, for definitely. us to stay at Glendale Prep. And then, you know, high school rolls around. And, um, I mean, not a lot happened. I think definitely me and Ashley got, like, super tight, uh, probably around, like, 10th grade onwards. Like, 9th grade, I don't even remember. It was kind of a fucking blur to me. And, uh, yeah. I mean, maybe just that's just to say that, like, nothing meaningful happened in 9th grade. At least, okay, it's good that the one good thing about freshman year being a blur and not remembering anything is that nothing shitty happened, though. Right, yeah. Like, we didn't have the, like, freshman hazing that everyone thinks of at public schools. Nah. Or just, like, the whole new campus vibes. No, I mean, another thing about, like, the whole hazing thing, it's like, well, first of all, it didn't even happen at a prep school like Glendale Prep, and also we've been there for so long, so, like, the kids that were older than us... They're basically your older brothers and sisters, like, they fucking knew yeah, you. Yeah, like, so basically, when I was in ninth grade, my older brother, he was in twelfth uh, grade, he was a senior, um, yeah, and that, that didn't really make a difference, it's just, like, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't have hazing as freshmen i know like you know some public schools they might be like just bullies like no like literally be a bully in in glendale prep because like middle schoolers would talk to the high schoolers yeah which is like weird to think about like why is a you know 10 year old talking to like a 17 year old but yeah whatever um, well not like anything weird no but, like, no no, 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 no. it would yeah, just be like cool yeah it's just like <laughs> it's just like you see these people and it's like what are if I'm being generous, we had, like, maybe 300 kids in the whole entire school. Our class had maybe 70 people. It started, yeah, yeah around 70. At max, max. Yeah. So, like, you know, fast forward, freshman year, sophomore year, junior year is when we really started hanging out a lot. That's, like, when everybody can start driving and stuff. And, like... That's when it gets real. Yeah. So, junior year, you know, rolls around and, like, everybody got their license. Like, I, I was the lucky kid to get mine right when I turned 16. And I was hanging out with, like, I like to think junior year I was hanging out with, like, a lot of different, like, groups and, like, cliques of people. Like, y- you can't escape the whole clique mentality even in a, in a small school. What cliques were you in? Or do you think, like, like the stereotypical ones that you see? Like, I was hanging out with, like, a lot of kids that would be considered, like, the fucking weirdos. Um, you know, like, doing weird stuff. Like, the like the funny people. Like, you know, you, you, like, you remember, like, Ian Gale and, like... Him, he was like his own yeah. character, and people, everybody loved him because it's like the class clowns. Yeah, exactly, the yeah. class clowns, and like, you know, random people like that, and um, and then obviously I was hanging out with like my my core group of friends that I've had ever since I met them in like third grade. Um, so yeah, it's just like honestly, I didn't really define myself to an entire clique, which is like a good and bad thing because it's like the more you hop around, the less you get to know people. Um. Whereas, you know, on the other hand, let's just say you, you stuck with one click. Those are, like, your boys. Like, you know them, like, the back of your hand, inside and out, everything about them. Like, you know their parents, their siblings, whatever. Like, their entire schedule, basically. Like, your lives kind of, like, mesh together. Um, so junior year, me and you hung out a lot with, like, our friends. Like, yeah. we, we shared we, – we could say we shared the same click, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those people we still, like, know to this day. Um yeah, junior year was cool and all, like, I didn't date a lot in high school, because, like, I don't know, part of it was a choice, the other part was, like, 
you know, some of the girls I liked didn't really like me back, but, you know, it wasn't, like, anything heartbreaking, like, you know, I was, like, tormented by them, or, like, had my first heartbreak, really, in high school, like, that wasn't really me, and we can, like, skip ahead a little bit to freshman, or not freshman, uh, senior year, senior year, we were super tight, me and Asher, um, and, like, we were planning on big things, like, it's your last year, you're a senior, you're kind of, like, you know, you're kind of, like, top dog around campus, like, do whatever you want. Well, I guess the biggest thing that, that I feel like came out of senior year that was, like, a really cool thing that stayed is LFMF. Yeah. So that became a thing. That's true. The LFMF winner of senior year. became a thing. That was, like, 2017. LFMF is obviously, like, our brand, Less Friends, More Family. Do you want to explain what that means? Yeah, so, like, originally it started with our, with our boy Carson. He kind of, like, came up with the name, like, Less Friends, More Family, and it kind of, like, stuck with us, at least. And then the other kids in our grade were like, what the fuck is LFMF? Like, whatever. And then uh, we started hanging out a lot, you know, outside of school, just, like, chilling on the weekends and stuff. And then I remember we were in your, we were in Asher's backyard one night, me, him, and Carson. We came up with the first ever LFMF logo, which we thought was, like, it was, like, groundbreaking. Like, that was, like... That was us learning Photoshop. Yeah, Literally just, like, exactly. putting a different font on LFMF and being, like, yeah, that would like, go crazy. Times New Roman doesn't look sick, but, like, this this one But if you like, italicize it and yeah. bold it, it looks better, and that could go on a shirt, or yeah, that exactly. could be a sticker. At the time, we thought that would be, like, you know, we could, we'd could we see this shit in, like, Zoomies or some, you know, something like that. Because it was that. all about Supreme and Bape back then, and just, like, big yeah. box logos, and just super simple, minimalistic design. Yeah. So, uh, Not that it isn't still, but... Yeah. And LFMF happened in the wintertime. You know, that was, like, during winter break and stuff like that. And we could skip a little bit ahead to, like, probably, like, the first week back from winter break, senior year, second semester. Uh, that's when, like, life for us got, like, really, really crazy. Um, so I remember being in HL, which is Humane Letters. Um, it's, like, this, this two-period block class where you just, like, talk about books and stuff like that. I get called in first thing in the morning. Uh, and I see our, our assistant headmaster and, like, our dean of students at the time. I honestly didn't know what the fuck was going on. I was just like, oh, maybe I'm, like, getting nominated for an award or some cool shit like that. Turns out, there's this group of, like, fucking sophomores that, like, snitched out on me, Asher, and our boy Gino at the time. And so we were, like, selling, like, drugs, basically. Like dope. That's what they thought. They thought we were selling weed, when in reality we weren't. Um... So they called me in. They're we were, like, "Okay, clar- clarification. clarification. This sounds hella bad, but um, no, we weren't selling drugs. I, we don't sell drugs. We never have. We were literally just being high school kids, getting high and fucking around. Cause it's our senior year. It's busy work the rest of the year. Yeah, and honestly, that's like you know, knowing more kids now that you know went to public school, got caught smoking weed. Smoking weed is like." the least of your concern as a high schooler like that that's almost a rite of passage almost there's not so saying many that worse you need things to... you can do yeah exactly especially you know like there's yeah. kids at our school like popping xanax or snorting xanax in the bathroom like and you want to tell me smoking weed is worse than snorting you know like actual drugs you know like prescriptions like no get out of here shit that'll kill you yeah so anyways you know minus some of the details and the and the stupid semantics like me asher and our and our boy Gino at the time we get kicked out, which is like pretty. F- mm, the first no nah, the first few all off weeks, of a story all off of a story that like with no proof they searched our lockers yeah. they searched my sports locker they searched all my bags my sports bags and my backpack 
and they drug and my, tested and me. me. I was negative for any drugs, and you know, even marijuana, like or weed. Like I didn't, I, I passed that, and you know, part of me just thinks like I don't dwell on it anymore. But part of me thinks they're just out to get us, like because you know the faculty and the admin at the time are kind of fucking stupid people, to be honest. But that's besides the point. Um, yeah, we could honestly spend a whole episode on that. Yeah, just talking and about how just stupid like it is. How much that school that school has just like fallen off since. Yeah. Um, but you know, no need to talk about. Something. No, we're over it. We're over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so like, that was pretty pretty like a influential monumental moment. Like we kind of had to figure out what to do because like going to this prep school, it leads to like you know you doing a senior thesis and we're like, well, we don't do that anymore. Like, how do we even graduate? So I went to online school, and turns out I just had to take, you know, a bullshit, like, English class, which I knocked it out in, like, a couple months, and I graduated, you know, before all my f- friends. Um, yeah, why, do you, why do you put quotes around friends? A lot of those people, when we got kicked out, thought we were who the school wanted us to be, like, these fucking evil kids that sold drugs to little kids and stuff like that, when, you know when in reality weren't and some of them like changed their whole view on us they looked at us like we were bad people when in reality like those same kids went off to college or just grew up and started doing the same shit if not worse but they're still doing it they're still doing it that's besides the point like and then you know there's some of those friends who i'm still friends with today that like stayed around like they didn't think anything different of us they're just like they're still our boys like well we'll we'll be friends with them like no reason not to well i think I think they stayed our friends because because they knew us. They're the people that we talked to. They're the people that actually hung around yeah. and saw who we actually were. Everybody else didn't know us enough or didn't care enough and were able to just hear a story about us yeah. and just immediately believe it. Like they almost wanted to believe it. And right. that's cool if you and that's cool if you're just trying to like protect yourself and stay away from negative things. I get that. I do that today. But it sucked at the time because those are the people that we hung around and we've seen for seven years since middle school. Who we thought school. were like riders, but turns out, you know, growing up, there's that saying that like, you know, or there's that meme where it's like your freshman friend group is like huge, sophomore it's a little smaller, junior it's even smaller, senior year you're stuck with like three best friends who you consider your only friends. You're lucky with three. Yeah. So like, you know, we got kicked out and um, I remember even like Asher's parents, they sent him to like some weird ass like psych hospital which is like yeah they crazy sent me to me. a mental institute but we but get we'll on get, that yeah. yeah we get on that on a that's different on my episode. episode um you know but now we're like 18 around march you know school's not even over yet for for most of the people we know we're like i mean what do i even need to do so what i did was uh i started working at victory lane which is this baseball complex here in arizona yeah you started working with me and yeah my brother. that's that's when uh asher worked there and his older brother was the manager there and like we were just stuck with all this free time so like you know when i was bored like i got to do a lot of the stuff that i wanted to do more frequently like i gotta go i can drive a flagstaff go snowboard if i wanted to and you know that was its own thing like well you couldn't before something major had to happen. Yeah, exactly. Right? And that's when you got to, like, kind of figure out yourself and find, like, you kind of, like, got to look at this free time and think that, like, you should do something with it, you know? Because we were in that same mindset of, like, we don't want to be, like, these bums, like, these losers just do nothing all day. So, like, what do you do? Find a job, make some money, 
and like do what you're passionate about and for me at the time it was like surfing and snowboarding and that's when i you know got to go to flagstaff a lot and i was lucky enough to to get spotted by some some people from like red bull and stuff and you know we were also big into photography back then so i got a few still gigs are. yeah we still are i got a few gigs through through red bull to like not only do some you know advertisement for them but also be in some advertisement for them and just stuff like that and you know a lot of people like hate on me to this day because they don't know the whole story of like what happened between me and like red bull but honestly it doesn't matter to them like fuck them whatever they think they can think um but uh so yeah that's that you know and we're skipping ahead here to like uh skipping ahead here to like let's just say everybody graduates which is around may and um like that was pretty pretty surreal moment you could say because that's like when we would graduate with that class but we didn't obviously um let's actually um can we rewind for a sec actually you kind of missed one thing that i feel is probably one of the most major things oh yeah yeah so we could talk about like my like my kidney disease story so that all started when i was around 11 but that wasn't anything like super major but like do you know the name of the disease it's called chronic kidney disease it's like just a catch-all for like something wrong with your kidneys um and i guess i was the lucky people who are stupid what does the kidney do for your body the kidney filters out like all the toxins in your blood um which is important because your blood goes everywhere in your body and if you can't get the toxins out then like it'll mess up with like how you think and you know how your body like metabolizes food and like you can't gain muscle and stuff like that Um, but anyway so that started when i was 11 it wasn't anything major then but like as time goes on it progresses and it gets worse Um, when did you see it really getting bad probably when i was like 15 i knew like i wasn't feeling the same like playing sports like you know i get a little tired easier than other people and like a lot of people thought i was just like being lazy like oh he just doesn't you know want to run or something but like no i'm like no i'm like kind of dying over here um, I remember that because we went skateboarding one time yeah, with our friend back in middle school. And I didn't know anything about this because he always kept it under wraps. Because yeah. at the time, it wasn't that big of a deal. And I guess it just wasn't worth mentioning. But yeah, I just remember we were out skating maybe like, Probably like middle, of, yeah, middle of June, though. Yeah. Like 110 degrees. And yeah. he was just like almost half a mile behind and like i was dragging like dragging ass i was like just damn this kid just can't skate like yeah. <laughs> and i just didn't no, know at the yeah. time but no it's like it, it's definitely like a physical thing you know i didn't really talk about it a lot in high school because i'm just like high schoolers don't really understand it and um i don't want to like be you don't want to have a weakness in high yeah, school yeah you don't want to like and you just don't want to be insec- like the kid that can't hang you just any like, insecurity is just lock that shit up and hide it and yeah hopefully no one notices exactly even today that's just how we are but, you know, time goes on, and then let's say, like, around the time we were 18, that's when, like, stuff really started going downhill. Like, it happened to both of my kidneys, so, like, just imagine your kidneys are, like, dying, and, like, they don't function like they should be. You're poisoned, basically. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah your body's poisoning itself because it can't get rid of, you know, bad toxins in your blood. Like, the stuff that you're supposed to, like, you know, pee out, you don't. Um, and it just stays in your body. And so it you couldn't around. drink alcohol. Couldn't drink. <laughs> You can't work out because... You Tell know, me about my 18th birthday. What happened then? 18th birthday, I remember. I literally drank, like, one Coors Light. Fucking, like, a 12-ounce can of Coors Light. And it, like, wrecked me. Like, I was... Fucking thought I was gonna die. Like, he, seeing shit. Couldn't walk straight. Felt like been, I was gonna throw could've up. Could've been alcohol poisoning. Yeah, definitely not alcohol poisoning, but 
for a person that doesn't have properly functioning kidneys, it basically is alcohol poisoning to them. I mean, short story, I just carried you up into my room. Exactly, night, just threw me you on the in bed. He said, "Just stay here and sleep it off." And I'm like, and right, literally yeah. had to punch him to make sure he was awake. Yeah, like punch him hard. <clears throat> so that's that. Um, you know, and that's you know that's when I kind of broke the news to so like my close friends, and they're all just like. I mean, I don't, I don't know how they took it. A lot of them were, were like, oh, whatever. And then some of them were just like, damn, like, in the back of their minds, like, we kind of have to, like, look out for this kid. Like, he's our boy. Like, we're not going to make sure he does anything stupid to, like, kill himself or something. Or I mean, something bad that happened. shit still scares me to this day, honestly. Like, every time he'll text me or be like, hey, I'm going to an appointment. Most yeah. of the time, I'm like, hey, how'd that appointment go? Right. What right. they see. And that's the difference between, like having a friend in your life and having like fucking best friends in your life like, having family yeah exactly having homies like people that you can look back on the end of the day and be like they actually give a fuck about me like they'll see you at your worst because they know you're worth it and guarantee you they'll be there when you're at your best too because like they'll ride the whole wave with you whereas some people just want to see you at your best or just like be around you when you're having a good time not necessarily when you're not having a good time and you know that's that's we can get into that later uh, what that really means but yeah, so like, you know, wrap that up around like, say when we're 18, we get kicked out of school or high school. And then um, then we talk about like one of our homies, Carson, the same one that came up with LFMF. Um, I remember being at a Starbucks one day and I get a I get a phone call from um, from Asher's older brother, Jacob. He's like, hey, you need to come over to the house right now. And I was like, I thought we were in trouble. Like his mom caught us doing something stupid. Again. Again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but turns out, you know, I get there and I see Asher, I see his mom, I see his dad, and I see our friend, one of our friends back then, uh, and his mom's there, and then obviously Jacob's there. I'm just like, yo, what's going on? And then that's when, um, when our boys, uh, other, our other friend at the time, his mom was just like, yeah, Carson took his life last night or early this morning, and. Honestly, you know, it hit me, and I didn't really process. Like, I didn't know what that really meant, because, like, everybody else was crying. But I was just like, I wanted to cry, but, like, I couldn't cry. I'm just like, what is going on? Like, I don't, you know, it, it's all a blur, especially being, like, an 18-year-old. Like, hearing that, you don't really know what that means, because you haven't lived long enough to know what, like, dying means. Like, but, you know, fast forward, like, we can skip through, like, some of those days that were, like, pretty rough. And, you know, we can get into it on, like, other episodes, like, we talk about how Asher took it, but how I took it, I was just like, you know, that's our, that's like our best friend, you know, that's the dude we were hanging out with every weekend or literally every day after school. Um, yeah, he lived in my house. Yeah, he basically lived, room. lived it with Asher, you know, for who knows how long. Good six months. Yeah, but uh, so that you know, it kind of like shook everybody. Um, but I think it it it, it kind of like hit us a little harder because like we were. I'd like to think we were his best friends. We were the people that were hanging out with him every night. Like, we were the people that really knew who Carson was. Like, at school, Carson was everybody's friend. But after school ended, Carson was only our friend. Um, so that was, like, a weird time in our lives. Like, having to go to a funeral. You know, I know I didn't, at the at his memorial, I, I didn't get the, the chance to speak about him. But I know Asher did and some of our other friends um, and that's just really weird, like, learning how to readjust when, like, somebody who meant so much to you is no longer there. I think the amount of just, like, experience, shared experiences that we had right. that summer of 2018 yeah, that was literally huge. shoved us into becoming adults. One, getting kicked out of high school, 
losing yeah. all of your friends, the majority of your friends, sorry, and then in the span of four months after that, yeah. losing our best friend. Yeah, so that's like... One of the few people who stayed around afterwards. Exactly. He was one of those dudes them. that like you would call him a rider. Like, he fucking, he's a rider die. I mean, he was family. Yeah, he that that's the whole meaning behind less friends more family. Like you shouldn't have friends because friends can leave. Friends come and your go. Your friends should your closest people should be your family. Yeah, I mean, that's how you should consider them. And that's Don't how you ever should call treat them too. those people your friends. And that's like why to this day, like me and Ash are so tight. Like he he's not like my friend. He's like my fucking brother at this point. Uh, we hang out like almost every day. Almost every day. Uh, so you know, skip ahead like. You know, funeral happens. It hit home for a lot of people. You know, we took it our own ways. But you know, after after high school comes college, and college, and also the progression of like my kidney disease. Um, so I was eighteen, going in my freshman year at ASU. I was a I was a pre med, so I was at the downtown campus, and like this is kind of like a new learning experience because like we've been to prep school our whole lives. So we don't know what, like, meeting new people is like, really. Um, minus in, like, high school, you know. We, we went to, like, we were the cool kids from a prep school that went to, like, public school parties. Which is, you know, just... That's how it was. Yeah, it's just who we were as people. Like, we, we didn't want to be stuck hanging out with the same just 50 new kids. other people. Yeah, we just had the connections. And we were, like, cool enough and not uptight, and, you know, to, to know that you can be friends with more than just the people you go to school with. Yeah, I think that's that's a really big thing that a lot of people fell into. It's like, at a public at a public school, you're meeting new people all the time. Yeah. At a prep school, it's the same people for like we said, years on years on years. And there, there's just hardly a new kid that comes to yeah. a prep school so late in high school. Like, that never happened. It doesn't really happen at all, to be honest. But, um, you know, college rolls around, freshman ASU. Um, I I had a I had a pretty cool freshman year. Like, I rushed a fraternity. I won't name them right now because we're going through some stuff, but um, rush fraternity, got a bid, you know. So you get all these, you get, you basically get like a little boys club of your own being in fraternity and then the connections to like parties and, you know, chicks and whatnot. And, like, How you do know. you think that helped you after all the shit that you went through that summer? It helped me because like, so, you know, being from a small school and like you get a kid, like that's your best friend that dies. It's kind of just like, whoa, this is something new to you. But then now you meet kids from like not only different schools in Arizona but different schools in the you know the country and we had some international kids and they kind of had their own experience like I remember one of my my closest he was he was in my rush class uh I won't name his name either because uh what happened to him but uh he was like my boy like he's he's my roommate uh my first semester I only dormed there one semester but he's my roommate uh downtown and like hearing stories about how he had one of his boys actually one of his boys died in a car accident in high school. And, like, you know, not to say that one one manner of dying is more intense than the other, but still, it's just, like, losing losing a homie like that, you know, it hits home. And having somebody to, like, relate to you and actually know what it feels like is... It's it's good to heal, you know, because you get to see perspectives and you know that. It's, it's not just a you thing. It's, like, it, it, you know, it can happen to anybody. And then, you know, also being around different people, kind of... New people changes your mindset, like... If you're gonna make it anywhere in this world, you you want to be the person that can make connections and not be, not be a douchebag and like think you're better than anybody else. Because at the end of the day, you're not. Um, but you're capable of doing more. That's the only outlier. Is like how willing you're, or how hard you're willing to work mm. to get what you want. Yeah. Like that's that's really the big separation. Like, 
that I saw because I saw a lot of kids in at our prep school that were like you know naturally gifted whatever they're smarter than the most people but come to find out in college nobody cares about what you did in high school it's like a fresh start like you, you do what you want and like, you make a name for yourself now as an adult you don't get a report card like that's right. not like your fulfillment anymore it's or like you don't you win need, these bullshit awards in high school you like, need social interaction and you need like social success as well yeah exactly so like going off social success do you think that or at the time did you actively pursue rushing as an outlet to have that social interaction or definitely okay so i think i think the whole rushing and put yourself in out like putting yourself out there and you know for people who don't know the whole rush process is like <laughs> the first week is cool like they treat you like you're kings you know just so they figure out who you are as a person and being being a i'm a, well, technically i'll be fifth year now as a 22 year old knowing seeing kids that rush my fraternity you know, some of them try to put on this persona of somebody who they're not, and, like, it always holds true, like, be yourself at the end of the day, because people will figure that, people will figure out that you're not genuinely who you, you say you are, and it'll come out, and the people that faked a persona during Rush, they get fucking shit on the most now, um, and they become just bad people at the end of the day, like, people you don't want to hang around with, they're fake, they don't, you know, see eye to eye with you on certain stuff, and oh, hold on, let me grab my drink. Oh, you got mine. Oh, whoops. Uh, uh, that's how close we are. Yeah, but uh, so what were we talking about again? Rush. We're talking about. Um, I thought it was interesting what you were saying about how those kids would like almost purposely try and put on a persona yeah. because I think that comes from almost insecurity about it who is. you actually are. No, definitely, and like... So were they not frat material then? Not to say frat material, so the thing about fraternities is like, fraternities kind of have like a, they kind of have like a persona behind them, like, you rush like this fraternity because they, they're known They're known something. to yeah. be like this, they're known to be like stoners or like skaters, or you rush this fraternity because you know they're the rich kids or they're, they're going like to be like the doctors. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, like, the, the best thing I best advice I can give to anybody is just be yourself uh, because that's when you really like figure out more about yourself like not to say you're set in stone at this point in time like you always grow as a person but be yourself you know you find you know your vibe so you find your tribe basically mm. like I'll you say that again you know your vibe so you find your tribe that's that's huge and um so basically yeah just that, that you know that's that's fraternity stuff. Uh, but I think okay, at the point that goes past Greek life though. It does. It, that's that's for any kid. Not, not even any kid in school. That's just for any person, like any human. Like, you want to make friends, be yourself, and you'll attract those people. Like, it's it's law of attraction. Like, and if not, then you're gonna have friends that you're not happy with because they're disingenuous. You don't want. They don't want to either do the same things as you, or they don't see the world at least in a similar enough way to where you get along. Exactly. So basically, like, if you can't be yourself, and you know, people are attracted to that fake version of you. That's not, those aren't your real friends. Those are people that liked you for who you were at the time. Or something you could Or offer. something you're not. Yeah, or something you could offer, basically. Um, so, yeah, that was like my freshman year, like first semester uh, was just rush. And then, you know, second semester rolls around, there's a new rush class, so no, you're no longer, you know, a pledge. You're, you're considered an NIB, which is a, a newly initiated brother. So now you're officially a part of, like, the whole group. Like, you're not... You know, when you're the the rush week, they attract you by being nice to you, and then when you're when you get a bid and you become a pledge, 
they fucking shit on you bad. Like, we don't haze, but, you know, there's stories, and um, we don't have to get into that, but, you know. Probably shouldn't. Probably shouldn't, <laughs> you know. So, you know, second second uh, semester, my freshman year rolls around, and that's when, like, I'm hanging out with Asher still, hanging out with a lot of our, our core friends who we know today. You came back to our side of the valley then, yeah. too, right? Yeah, because there's this point in time where, like, Asher's telling me, he's like, dude, we haven't seen you a lot. Like, what's been going on? I'm just like, college, dude. And obviously, you know, me and Asher, we didn't go to the same college after after uh, high school, but we still stayed in touch. Um, and we were still both in Arizona, but I wasn't, I was kind of MIA for a little bit, for or at least for a semester. But I think that's the cool thing, though, is you could be MIA, but, like, nothing changed. No, 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 yeah, still exactly. be cool every time we like, hung out. It's the same vibe. That's the difference. Like, some people will be like, you need to see me every day if you want to be considered my friend. But, like, with me and Asher, it was never that way. It's just, like, at the end of the day, we're boys. Like, we'll pick up where we left off. And, you know, we know that we need to go on this journey, this individual journey to, like, develop ourselves. And we respect that. Like, it's cool. Um, it's just cool to come back at, like, the end of the day and just, like, talk about it. Yeah, like, exactly. Dude, so listen, now I just have even more stories. Fucking story. Exactly. Yeah, just fucking have a beer on it or something. So, you know... Uh, second semester, I turned 19 in April. Um, not much really happened second semester. Like, I, I, I have the, the typical college experience, like, you know, partying. Couple parties, couple girls. Couple, yeah, you know, minor stuff. Nothing, <laughs> nothing really impactful happened my freshman year, which is, you know, neither here nor there. Um, but then, uh, my sophomore year, runs around, you know, turns around, and that's when, like, my, my health is, like, really declining. Like, I, I started noticing in classes, like, damn, I can't concentrate or, like, I don't feel good. Like, I feel like I'm going to, like, throw up or something. Just, like, not feeling myself. Like, that's when I really knew something was wrong. But I didn't tell anybody because, like, I would go to my, my nephrologist who's a, a doctor that specializes in kidneys. And he was telling me, he's like, dude, you need, a, you need to go on the transplant list. You need to go on dialysis. Like, you, you're not doing good. You should be on dialysis. You should have been on dialysis, like, a couple years ago. And, you know, me being stubborn and young and afraid of you know what what could happen i was like no i'm gonna push this off for as long as i can um, that's interesting which is not a smart thing to do by the way especially when it comes to your health because uh, that stuff can be permanent and can have lasting damage on you but um sophomore year freshman or no, sophomore year first semester uh i started dating dating this girl who uh we'll call her uh, fuck it, you know, her name's Bella at the time, or still at the time, but yeah, her name's Bella, I started dating her, she's a, she's a freshman nursing major, um, so we had a lot of, like, classes and labs together. That's your first real relationship, huh? That's, like, my first real, real relationship, um, that, like, meant something to me, and, um, you know, she was definitely, like, something I, I don't, I don't know if I needed it or not, but it was something that was good for me, like, it was new, learning how to have somebody else in your life. Um, it's a different kind of social interaction. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm just used to having, like, friends and homies, but now I have, like, a girlfriend all of a sudden. And, uh, you know, she definitely f was, she was rushing a sorority at the time. So she was, she knew she wanted the whole college experience when she was a freshman in college. She was like, yeah, I want to party. You know, she smoked a shit ton of weed, popped a few pills here and there, drank a lot, um, nothing bad where it was like you know affecting at the time it wasn't affecting her and like you know to, academic. to my knowledge it wasn't affecting her but that's another thing about meeting somebody else is like you don't know their past and she had a past um but then also you know i remember the winter time rolls around 
right before finals, and I straight up woke up one day not feeling good at all. Like, my face was swollen. I could barely breathe. And I remember I, like, went out, saw my dad, and I was just like, I need to, I need to get out of school right now. Like, I'm not okay. And he was telling me, he's like, what do you mean? You've been in school, like, this whole time, and you want to tell me you're not okay? And I was just like, yeah, I am telling you I'm not okay. And that's when he knew something was wrong with me. And he's just like, okay, you know, you can put in your, your withdrawal, whatever. He didn't really know what that meant at the time. And then fast forward, you know, a few days later, all of a sudden, my dad wakes me up at, like, 7 in the morning. He's like, I need to take you to the hospital right now. And I was like, what do you mean? What's going on? He's like, I saw your blood labs. Like, why didn't you tell me it was this bad? So, you know, he's like, we need to go to the emergency room. So I was just like, are you sure? Like, I can last a little bit longer. And he's like, no. Like, That's just the sleep talk. Yeah, it was, it was me not wanting to do a lot of stuff. But mm-hmm. I get rushed to uh, Thunderbird Banner. And um, they're, they're uh, looking at my blood labs. They're like, holy shit, this kid is, like, fucked up. Like, not, not fucked up like something bad's happening, but it's been fucked up. And there's probably something wrong with him, too. So uh, that's, that's like, my first experience with dialysis. You know, they stuck a... There's this, like, scar on my neck. They stuck a, a tunnel catheter, a central line in my neck to do dialysis. And, you know, being a 19-year-old kid, you're, like... You're not supposed to be doing dialysis, and everybody knows that. So if you are doing dialysis at a young age, there's clearly something wrong with you, and that was what's wrong with me. And, like... I remember, I don't even think I got a text message out to any of my friends about it. Probably until after I had my first dialysis treatment, I was like telling people like, yeah, uh, I'm in the hospital now. And I, I know I hit up Asher and a few other of our friends. And that's when like the whole fucking mentality of less friends, more family comes in. Like there are some family members that didn't even see me in the hospital, but Asher did see me in the hospital. So like that just goes to show like, you know, we've been tight for a while. And, yeah. You know, he's a rider, like. He'll fucking ride for you. Um, or at least he rode for me. And he still does to this day. But, you know, being not in school anymore, you're on dialysis. No everybody, kidney. No, yeah, kidneys don't work. Uh, that kind of, like, it messed with me a lot because, like, obviously a lot of the toxins build up in your body. And what people don't understand is that, like, those toxins affect the way you think. You sort of went from another high of finally getting into the into the frat yeah. your sophomore year yeah. finally meeting this girl yeah. that for what you knew at the time she was great and you were having fun and that's yeah. all that mattered exactly and so just hospital daily yeah um, and the thing about being on dialysis at least for me it was every other day for four hours um, and what that basically what they do to you is they take your blood out of your body so you, you feel like you're freezing to death because, like, you have no warmth in your body. The blood provides warmth, and you don't have it anymore. They run it through a machine, cleans out all the bad stuff, puts it back in your body. And that takes four hours every other day for me. And the feeling you have afterwards is, like, you have no energy, you're drained. You feel like you're going to puke. Your body's cramping because you don't have any electrolytes in your body. I mean, less of your blood is in your body for exactly. that whole four hours. Yeah, and that's just... That was a miserable time in my life. Like, there, there are moments where... I didn't tell a lot of people this, but, like, I was genuinely depressed. Like, I, I just thought, like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I, I was on it for, like, six months while I was on the waiting for a new kidney. And there were times where I just felt, like, giving up. Like, I didn't never thought about that idea of, like, killing myself. But I was just like, dude, I can't do this any longer. Like, you know. So you're not enthused anymore. Yeah, it's just, like, you, you grasped all the good things you thought you wanted in life. Like, you know, you're in a fraternity. You're partying. You're dating 
you know, this chick who you think is like the coolest person in the world, and now you can't have any of that, or you can't have it as much. Like, she was a freshman, or at least talking about, you know, the girlfriend or the girls dating at the time. You know, she was trying to live her life, you know, rushing a sorority, doing all that stuff. I didn't expect her to drop everything just to go see some kid she's known for like a couple months in the hospital, um, which, you know, she did here and then, just but very rarely, as opposed to like a lot of like, you know, my parents or my brother or like Asher or something. Um, and, you know, being on dialysis affects you a lot. Like, I couldn't party. Like, a lot of the times I would, I was, you know. Get tired from walking. Yeah, you get tired from walking. Like, I was back home with my parents. They take care of me. And I remember, like, I would want to hang out with, like, Asher and our friends. But I don't know if I had it in me. Like, they'd invite me. They'd be like, yo, dude, you want to go out? And I'm just like, yeah, if I don't feel like shit after this four hours of dialysis, I'll come out. But You never know. They, you know. A lot of them got angry at me. They're like, come on, man. Like, we haven't <laughs> seen you. But, like, Asher was one of those ones who was just, like, understand. He's like, dude, if you don't feel like it, like, I'll go I'll go visit you. Or, like, you take a night and rest and, like, tell me how you feel in the morning. Like, we don't have to see each other. Like, you're still my homie. And that meant a lot to me because that really, you know, that's when you learn who your, who your f- real friends are when stuff's going bad for you. Yeah, when you're at your lowest. When you're at your lowest, you figure out a lot about not only yourself, but, like, a lot of the people that you think are your friends aren't really your friends. And some of the people stick around and that's that's a good tell on who really is your friend um i think it's hard for a lot of people to stay around at those times because when other people are at your lowest you almost don't want to surround yourself with what you would perceive as a negative energy or as just like something that could also bring you down because everyone has their own responsibilities in life but like i wouldn't see that as a responsibility i'd see that as like that's your obligation if that's your boy yeah if that's your boy that's your best friend, yeah. supposedly. You're telling everybody, oh, Ben's, or so-and-so is my best friend. Yeah. But you're not there for them. You need to watch what you say. And you need to, like, figure out what being a, a homie or a rider or a best friend to somebody really means. Cause, like, and also, look at your friends. Like, yeah, exactly. What are they doing? And I'm not saying that you need to always benefit from your friends. No, no, like, no. Are your homies not. your homies? Will they ride for you? And Will I they think, go above and beyond the bare minimum? And I think, like, that's one thing that, like, I will always credit to Carson is that yeah. he really taught me how to be a friend. Exactly. How to, like, no, yeah. show that you're there for someone because, like, he was there for me. Exactly. He was there for a lot of people, um, which is unfortunate to say because nobody really got to return the favor to him, obviously, because um, he had uh, taken his own life and nobody really knew what was going on in his head. He was, like, being more giving than he was taking from people that's what you got to watch out for too is those people who will self-sacrifice all the time yeah to make other people happy it's like they're almost filling a void in themselves sometimes when they do that so like honestly just watch out for all your homies like always yeah. check up on check your boys. up on your boys like that's and if your boys aren't checking up on you then like try and instill that as a culture in your friendship because, exactly like, that's, that's another that's, huge thing that's it, even if it's not there now it could be your responsibility to mature it yeah. into that. Because, like, Ben and I weren't always like that. We weren't always texting each nah. other, what's up, how you doing? Or just, like, knowing that something's, like, fucked up in their life. Yeah, or it's like, what's going on? That like, takes maturity, and yeah. that takes, like, being able to be open to someone else to tell them that. To be like, hey, bro, like, there's some fuck shit going on, and, I, like, I might need some support here, or I might need some, like, understanding. Right. You know, so, that's that. Um, going back to the story, um... You know, dialysis, dialysis is rough. You know, I don't, I don't really know what like the future is for me. The, the end goal is getting a transplant. 
so I don't have to be on dialysis. I can go back to school. And how hard is it to get a kidney transplant? It's it's very hard. Um, there's a whole lot of people in this world that need kidneys, and there's a whole lot of there's not a lot of kidneys to go around. Not a lot of compatible ones. It, yeah, that too. Um, so you know, six months of dialysis. I remember I get a phone call one night, and it's a. Uh, one of the nurses from Mayo Clinic, shout out Mayo Clinic. Um, she's like, yeah, we might we might have uh, found somebody for you. Um, you know, unfortunately, the uh, the donor had just died. Uh, you know, a couple hours ago from when I received that phone call. But they're like, yeah, it's 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 a perfect match for you. You know, um, we're we're having a doctor right now go look at it, make sure it's okay. And if it is, then you need to be here like four thirty in the morning and get ready to get a transplant. And at the time, I was just like. I received those phone calls, you know, a couple of them beforehand, and they never worked out. So I was like, try not to get my hopes up, but like something about this felt right. Like, you know, they called me a couple hours after the, the guy died. So it's like, this is my best shot at getting something that's gonna, a kidney that's gonna be good for me. Um, and sure enough, I a couple hours later, I get a phone call saying, yeah, it's go, like be here at four thirty in the morning. And I, I went back to my room. I remember I just fucking cried. Like I just, I fucking let it all out. Like. Imagine, well, you know, being on dialysis for six months feels like six years to you because it's just like I'm living to go to my next dialysis appointment. Um, you can't do anything in between. And knowing that I'm getting my life back, like I don't remember what my life looked like before being on dialysis. Like I don't remember the girls dating at the time. I don't remember what, you know, the frat house looked like. I don't remember what parties are. I don't remember what school is. I just want to feel fucking normal again. I want to wake up knowing I don't have to go to dialysis. Like I don't have to like cover up my my catheter when I'm taking a shower. I can only shower like once a week at the time. And, you know, you just feel like less than human. Yeah. Um, and like, you couldn't eat what you wanted to. You can't, you can't drink as much water as you want to. Like you, it was so, you know, like you really had to like look out for yourself and make sure you weren't doing anything bad because it could fucking kill you. Um, so, you know, sure enough, 4.30 in the morning, my dad takes me to Mayo Clinic and you know, it, it's kind of a blur at that point. Like, I get checked in, you know, they give me my room. They said, all right, 7 a.m., you're going in the OR, you're getting a new kidney. And I was like, I was still crying. I was just like, holy shit, like, this, this is all happening. Like, fucking everything I've been praying for. And then uh, kind of, it was a, I don't really remember all of it. Uh, that's the drugs. Yeah, that's the drugs. They, they, I mean, I remember the surgeon, he looked at me, he's like, you know, this is it, man. It's going to get a lot better for you. And then they put me under and then woke up, you know, fuck, like four hours later and in a shit ton of pain, you know, my throat sore as shit because, uh, you know, they intubated me. And um, But I was reaching down and, and I could feel like, you know, all the, the wound dressing they put on me. I'm like, yep, that's that's the new kidney right there. And I had this, this thought in my mind. I'm like, you know what? It was all worth it. Like, you know, the six months of wanting to you know hoping that i would just die in my sleep so i didn't have to go through this it's all over and it fucking like reinvigorated me i was thinking about everything i started crying and i was like dude the amount of shit i went through just to get to this moment it was all worth it you know and what made it feel better was like not only do i have my family that was there for me i had you know a few of my boys that were fucking riding with me like through the whole thing like i wasn't alone even though i felt alone like you think back on it, it's just like, these dudes stuck it out with me. And it's, you know, it's just a testament of, like, 
what being a, a friend really means, you know, or what LFMF means. Like what a friend can mean to someone. Yeah, you know, the fact that some people are willing to go other way for you, and they're not even related to you by blood. Not that that means anything. And if anything, it taught me that just because somebody's related to you by blood doesn't mean shit. Because there's a whole lot of family members that could have showed up to see me in the hospital that didn't. And lucky enough, you know, I had my kidney transplant at the Mayo Clinic. That's where Asher's oldest sister happens to work. And uh, she saw me. She was one of my nurses at the time. So that was even better. And that was the same night that Asher and her boy Gino at the time, um, they, they, they visited me post-transplant. And they're like, dude, this is, he's back. Like, you know, I don't know how you felt personally because, you know, I didn't really ask or hmm. didn't know at the time. But for me, it felt like, you know what, this is, it's back to... It's back to business, like, you know, it's back to the same old shooting the shit, fucking living life. And if anything, it taught me to, you know, don't don't hold any punches from life. Like, if if you got something to say, say it. If you got something to do, do it, you know. It'd be it'd be a really shitty circumstance if I had all these things in my mind and I just died without being able to do them. That that scared me the most. So ever since getting the transplant, which was September twenty seventh, twenty nineteen, that's when I knew, all right. Life, life needs to be foot on the gas, no brakes. Like, don't lift. Don't lift. Like, do everything that we wanted to do. Um, so, what was the first thing that you did out of the hospital that you would say defines not lifting? I remember literally a week after I got discharged. No, not even a week. A few days after I got discharged, I was gonna go see this concert um, with one of my friends, uh, Trap. Shout out Trap. Um, we were going to go see this artist in town. And that's when I knew, like, I was still sore as shit. Like, I had 30-something staples yeah. holding my skin together. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to this concert because I can now. Like, I couldn't I couldn't do anything, basically, for six months. I, I had to stay at home. Mm-hmm. So now, this is my first time out. <laughs> I remember I fucking popped a Perk 30, and I was like, all right, pick me up. Like, we're going to this concert. And that prescribed. Was prescribed Perk prescribed. 30. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> prescribed to me. And that kind of, like, kicked off this whole, like, I felt like I went at it for a couple months because, you know, I was down and out a couple months of – it happened in September. So, basically, I had all this time until next semester at school started. So, I was like, you know what, fucking full throttle, like, live life. You know, do what you want to do. Don't don't be stupid, but but do what you want to do. Don't hold any punches. Passionate. Yeah. If you have a passion, go for it because the only thing that you have is time. Exactly. If you're wasting your time, that's less time to actually do something you care about and to be happy. Yeah. And, you know, I had a lot of moments to think sit in that chair in dialysis for four hours just like being by myself like my parents didn't stay because i didn't want them to i didn't want them to see their son getting like literally their blood taken you just look like shit when you're on dialysis exactly and it's like you're losing your fucking blood like your your life um so i didn't want them to see that but there's a lot of times i'll sit in that chair thinking like you know if i ever get a transplant i'm gonna do everything i wanted to do you know LFMF, we wanted it to be a clothing company. I planned out, I literally planned out LFMF in my head in dialysis, at the dialysis clinic. So, you know, senior year rolls around, or not senior year, what the fuck am I talking about? Um, Junior. Sophomore year. Second semester. Your real sophomore year. That's when I finally get to go back to school. And, um... Is that when you switch majors? No, I was was still uh, pre-med. 
so yeah, I get a I get to spend time with my girlfriend who still stayed, you know, stuck it out with me. Shout out her. Um, and you know, that's when I really saw life for what it is. And you know, thank God I was living back at home still, so I got to see like Asher a lot. Got to hang out a lot. We got to talk a lot of shit. You know, just hang out, be boys again. Um, I did that, and uh, that's when things were starting to get like pretty intense with me and the girls dating at the time like that's honestly like the first moment I figured out what like love really means for somebody it's like you know I don't talk about her a lot but she was like the first girl in my life that showed me what love meant like she couldn't check up on me because she had to go to clinicals or something she would send something to me or like send me food or you know fucking edible arrangements I don't know um so yeah knew your love language or just like knew how to communicate with you well yeah or just I think that shows, like, you need that in that in a mature relationship, or at least something yeah. you could consider real. And that's, you know, that's when it really changed my perspective. Like, I have more to give to people in this world, too. Like, not only my friends, but maybe the girl I'm dating. Yeah. And um, she started, you know, going downhill, like, abusing drugs a lot, drinking a lot, not, almost seemingly not caring about herself. Mm. And to go from somebody who's fighting for their life and to see somebody who doesn't give a shit about their life, like somebody you care about, that was like a really big contrast to me. I was just like, I just, like my, I got a second chance at life and I'm seeing you abuse your life right now. Like, you know, going to class high on drugs. Like, is this what you want to do? Like, and these weren't drugs that were just like, you know, oh, party, whatever. This is like shit that could kill you. Um, so that kind of like put things into perspective for me. I'm like, whoa, like this needs to, you know something needs to happen like she can't be doing this to herself and the the real last straw was when i found her at a party she od'd essentially in the bathroom and you know thank god at that house there's narcan so i hit her with narcan and you know brought her back but you know i told her they sent her to the hospital and i remember calling her dad i was like i don't normally ever have this conversation actually i've never had this conversation before but there's something wrong with your daughter and like i think you need to like address it like you need to send her somewhere get some help and that was a hard decision for me because it's like it's the first relationship i've been in and obviously she brings me a lot of happiness and i knew if she went away i couldn't date her because i didn't need to be on her mind the only thing on her mind at the time should be like getting better yeah so that's when i like had to make the the fucking grown-up call of saying like hey um i can't do this anymore with her but i want the best for her and maybe the best thing for her was to break things off. Um, so that was pretty hard on me. Um, it's a big decision, like, in your first relationship. Yeah. Your first serious thing where you yeah. really catch a feel for it. That's, that's it a, hurt me. It's a no. lot of learning. It, it, it hurt me. I didn't talk about it a lot with people because, like, I didn't want to be a drag. I didn't want to be a, you know, a buzzkill. But it's just, like, you know, thinking about it, like, you know. But I knew, ultimately, that was the best decision for her. Like, she needed to be her again um and obviously she had stuff going on in her life uh but yeah so basically now it's 2020 summer rolls around um and it's we're kind of just like oh you know living our life still um and that's when we started to take lfmf a little bit more seriously like we're making a little bit more logos here and there but it's just we didn't really have the same drive well, we kind of just had other passions at the time. We yeah. both really got into just cars. Cars at the time. School, obviously. Like, we were thinking to ourselves, like, yeah, we really need to, like, 
understand that this this you know younger us 18 year old us isn't here anymore and like the real world is approaching and i think that might have been a mistake on our part i think we might have associated lfmf as just the whole idea of being maybe a younger version of ourselves right but i think maybe we've also matured it out of let's make a million dollars off of clothes uh-huh. into let's just put this into passion projects into things that we actually care about not necessarily for money but right. more because these are our actual interests for example this podcast we yeah. both really enjoy listening to podcasts we both have conversations every day just like this and we both like the idea of just creating something that's ours like, definitely we create all the time us. i mean we built cars we yeah. still build cars you know we we're both photographers we create like that's just part of who we are as people um you know flashback to 2020 summer that's kind of like the mentality where right? just cars and stuff and then that's that's when i decided to switch majors so you know seeing how you know the medical field is granted like shout out all the people that work in medicine but to it's me not for everyone. it's not for everybody and it's not what i thought it was it wasn't as noble as i thought it was obviously everything's business at the end of the day and I had a problem taking money away from people that needed like life-saving treatment. I couldn't do it anymore. So I switched to business or marketing more specifically. And I came back, you know, 2020, my junior year now, first semester. And that's, it was a weird time in my life. Like I just lost this girl that I thought, you know, was everything to me. Um, granted, I still had, you know, my close friends and my, my family, but still. So I, I kind of like, went down the deep end of just like partying a lot you know trying to distract myself which is you know looking back on it, it was probably wasn't the most healthy thing for me i could have done i could have found other outlets that's what i just did at the time you know no harm no foul now um just hitting business hard but that's also when covid rolled around really like when you know asu at least went to online um you know there's restrictions on how many people you could be with. You know, that's when parties really got cracked down mask on. Mask up. Yeah, mask up, stuff like that. So I was hanging out with, like, you know, you a lot. And, um, you know, just building our relationship even more. Just, like, hanging out, you know, thinking of stuff. Go to car meets. Go to car meets. Um, you know, just do whatever. Just live our life as, as best as we know we can do. You know, not a lot happened in 2020, but 2021 rolls around. Um, and that's when, like, shit really, like, we fucking, you know, we thought we were out of gas, but guess what, there's more, and we hit it even harder, 2021. Um, that's when, uh, me and Asher and our friend Jake, um, we got our shop at the time, and, you know, I, I was thinking about, like, COVID gave me a lot of time to think about, like, where I wanted to go in life, and I knew that, you know, LFMF meant something special to us, because it's, like, it, it turned from a brand to a mentality, and, you know, thinking about our boy Carson, you know, he had just died two years ago. Um, I was just like, you know, he really wanted this to happen, so fuck it, why not just do it? Like, we're at this point in time now where we can kind of, like, being young, you can fuck up and make mistakes, and it's not permanent because you're young. You can you can bounce back. You can rebound from that. So, you know, I showed Jake and Asher the shop next to one of my, my good friends over uh, Larry at Reliable Subi Rush at RSG. Um, it was just like kind of a cool spot for us you know it was a thousand dollars a month we got a thousand square feet and it was like not only was it we were going to turn it into like where we started making shirts but it also was a garage for us to work on our cars throw parties do whatever the fuck we want just like our little boys club 
Ride dirt bikes. Ride dirt bikes, like, you know, just do whatever. And um, that was also around the time that I got into, like, my next relationship that was serious. Like, you know, there were, I, I had, like, little, like, minor stuff with other girls, but this Situations. was... Yeah, this was, like, you know, real. Um, so, fuck, it was, like, March, I think, when I started talking to this girl, but we didn't start, like, officially dating till like, May, um, which we moved in the shop March 2021, um, and this was like, you know, kind of bringing us to the present almost, but 2021, we were just hanging out a lot. Um, obviously cause we had the shop, you know, whether we were like painting it or hanging shit up or making shirts, throwing parties. I was also hanging out with this new girl and, um, yeah, I mean, it kind of like furthered my definition of what love meant. Like what it really means and you know trying to figure out who I am as a person and did it change your perspective on it I don't know if it changed it per se it definitely like deepened it okay. like it, there's stuff that was there's it stuff it. yeah exactly there's stuff in my previous relationship that I didn't want to like face because it was just too real to me like the idea of being somebody being with somebody forever yeah. like that could be a possibility in a relationship like fuck am I ready for that Am yeah. I the person who I want to be? You know, but it kind of gave me this perspective of you can change while being in a relationship. If anything, you can change even more. Yeah. Being in a relationship, whether that's for the good or for the bad, um, or whether that's if the relationship lasts or not. Um, but, you know, 2021, I was still on my same, we were still on our same shit, just like going out to car shows, car meets, you know, driving around, taking pictures, making shit, you know being little hooligans yeah yeah basically um and that's when people started like to get attention like they gave lfmf more attention and kind of like the respect it deserves because like people think it's just like oh they just started it all of a sudden again i'm like no we've been at it for a while we've been brainstorming and and people started really paying attention to it they're like oh it's something now it's got a physical location it's got more clothes coming out of it like stuff like that um so yeah, you know, 2021 was a good year. Uh, we learned a lot. A lot of learning. A lot of learning for me. Making clothes fucking sucks. It does, but... It's cool. The result, once you get it right, it's makes you forget about all the fucking yeah. trial and error that you did before. Just sweating it out in the garage. Yeah, trying to make literally. Sure. Like, when people talk about working in the garage, that was us. Like, we had an AC unit that didn't work for shit, you know, 90 degrees inside with heat lamp roaches roaches tweakers. like yeah tweakers outside like we we really grew up we learned a lot about being an adult even more so than some adults even know like having to deal with shit like having to deal with grown-ass men who acted like children and couldn't communicate a problem and then just have a little fit about it yeah like it's just a lot of learning that year um you know fast forward a little bit like summer was hot as shit you know LFMF kind of like started to slow down because it was hot and me Asher and Jake kind of had our, our lives to live still outside of just working in cars and printing shirts yeah. be um, nice if that was my life yeah but. yeah but something has to pay the bills right but you know fast forward to that and then 2021 rolls around for school I'm still dating this girl at the time um you know, and I'm also working on the side at a, at a digital ad agency, and 
you know, trying to, like, further my career and who I am as a person, what I want to do in life. It's a lot of learning. Um, other than that, 2021, you know, wrapped up pretty well. We, we, we hung out a lot more with people because COVID had kind of put a stop to all that. So we got to see a lot of our friends again. And, I think know. getting out of COVID almost, like, gave us more motivation. Yeah. To just, like, let's just go do shit now. Like Exactly. Just more, just more of just, let's just get out there. Yeah. And, you know, even during COVID, it, it didn't stop me and Ash from hanging out. Um, but 2021 was, like, kind of like that, that weird part of COVID where people were like, we're tired of this shit. Like, let's just get our lives back. And yeah. we, we felt the same way. Um, and, like, you know, the shop was cool. 2021 rolls around. Um, or it ends. 2022, um, which feels like, it just happened, you know, yesterday, but 2022 rolls around. halfway over. Um, and that's when, like, I don't know. I don't want to say shit went bad, but, like, just stuff started getting, like... Change. Change. Like, anything else, you yeah. know, change. Um, I get broken up with by the girl I'm dating at the time, and that was pretty hard for me because um, I was, you know, handling a lot of other stuff, um, you know... Another topic I didn't touch about during 2020 was that same homie I had, who was my freshman year roommate, he died. So another death that you have to think about. He, he died from an OD, and I was the one that found him. Um, and I, I haven't talked about it a lot because, like, I don't know. It's one of those moments in my life I didn't really want to, like, relive. It's it just, like, that was the one time I learned how to, like, push stuff away, which I'm, I'm paying for it now because now I have to, like, think about it and get over it because unpack it yeah you can't live with that for the rest of your life um but 2022 kind of put a lot of things into perspective a lot of stuff i was hiding for myself like you know my kidney stuff i was re reliving that not because anything went bad but i was just like i it's about time i process all this stuff that i've gone through um you know and then obviously my boy dying and having two two homies die is fucking tough um but you know 2020 or two roles get broken up with and that kind of left me in a weird spot because it's like this girl was dating we've been dating for like nine months pretty seriously like um you with know intentions of it being yeah, serious with intentions of it being serious and the manner in which i got broken up with it's basically like not to get too specific but it's kind of like you're, you're left with no closure like Basically just a text message. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a lot more stuff we can get into about it, but we probably shouldn't. Um, yeah. Whole other episode. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So that that happens, and that put me in a weird spot. Like, I don't know, maybe you could talk about it, think your perspective on seeing me like that. Like, I think you just had, like you always do, you always like to plan things out a little bit in advance, maybe have like a year ahead. Yeah. always be a little bit ahead because it's just nice to schedule things like that so you already had all these plans with her and yeah. that's cool and I think you should have that if you actually have genuine feelings like that but it just kind of just left you with nothing and you're just like what am I supposed to do because you had plans to do things you had plans to hang out you had all these things already scheduled in your calendar like for a year in advance right and then out of nowhere and she knew those planes were there yeah she had, you had made them with her and i, I adjusted trust. a lot of my life to accommodate Dude, the, this future and like if anything asher 
he's my closest friend I have. He's he saw what it did to me. He saw that I was changing, whether it was good or bad. You know, regard I was just changing as a person. And um, it was neither here nor there. It was I just define it as careless. Yeah, without regard for like myself. Yeah, which I was is the being, worst thing. You know, maybe selfless is a good word or an understatement almost, but you know, selfishly selfless almost. Yeah, and uh, that it, it it was definitely hard on me, like especially like well, I can't get into details about it on the podcast, but you know, like the the intricacies of our relationship yeah. with her, and you know. It's always like that in relationships. It's so hard because it it's inevitable that you're going to get all tangled up with them. If you yeah. actually are going to date them seriously, right. you're going to get all tangled up every time because that's what you want in the end is to be two people living a life together but also having separate lives at the same time. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, think, I think you learn that and you just learn a lot more of the maturity in a relationship from that one also. Yeah. Just both those relationships combined. Yeah. I think... A lot of people could learn things from each of those that they could apply in their relationships or just in meeting new people. Right. No, definitely. And, you know, the only advice I give about that is, like, you, you told me this best. Like, my whole life, I've, I've either been, you know, 0% or 110%. Like, and the most, the best advice I can give to somebody is, like, you got to find a middle ground. You got to find a happy medium where you're not overextending. You're not giving too much um where it's gonna hurt you but i was definitely the person that i give i give 110 percent everything like my friendships my relationships with my parents my family my relationships with girls like it's just who i am like you know we we have that same mindset whether i don't know if it's like a frat thing or just like a homie thing like we have this motto you know riders ride and a lot of people are like oh yeah ride or die whatever but they don't understand what that really means like when you when you consider yourself a rider for somebody, it's like you'll fucking like put yourself out there for them. Like I always tell people this, like fucking Asher gets in a fight, guess who else is getting in a fight? Like it's it's that kind of thing. Um, so you got to be really selective about the people that you consider close to you or allow to get close to you because sure you're going to give this effort, but are they going to reciprocate the same amount of effort? And if it's no, it's going to hurt you. Yeah. At the end of the day, because it's just like, well, I gave everything to you, and now you're not. Um, you'll always be angry and you'll always feel like you're being cheated. Yeah, no, definitely. And that left me in a really bad spot. And being in a relationship for nine months, like, albeit, like, to some people, it's not long at all. But I felt like the intensity of the relationship was different for most people. Like, they didn't really... Dude, some people get married after, like, knowing each other for three months and then they make it work and it's perfect. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't think there's really a, a time restraint on anything. I think it's just... What was the vibe thing you said? Uh, find your or well, find your vibe, find your tribe, or like know your vibe, find your tribe. Yeah, know your vibe, find your tribe. Yeah, definitely like same same deal. Like it, it, it's every relationship you ever have, whether that be a friendship or an actual like spouse or yeah. boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever you want to call. No, it. No, definitely, and you know, um, moving along for twenty twenty two. This is early on, probably around February, end of February, beginning of March. Asher kind of like saw this out of me like I was looking for somebody to replace this person um when I probably shouldn't have been looking for them um and you know he saw me he saw me strike out a couple times with some some people that 
we all knew probably would have never worked out. It was swinging about chest high pitches. Yeah, it's definitely fucking stuff you shouldn't be taking, but you take it anyways because like you're you're hurt, or I was hurt at the time. Um, you want to get yourself back out there. Everyone does. Yeah, and then the real turning moment for me for getting over the past relationship was probably like when we went up, we we I took I took you out for to mill for the first time for your birthday for my birthday yeah and um, I guess we could touch a little bit about it but then there's also you know your I party. really can't even speak on that yeah. I have no memory of that night because Asher Asher had a night needless to say but it was cool seeing like a lot of my good friends there obviously you know the people we grew up with and then my my most recent good friend uh, who happens to be my coworker, you know Destin shout out Destin yeah, hopefully we can get him on here yeah hopefully we can get him on the podcast we have we have an episode actually planned out for him. But, um, yeah, it's just seeing, like, all the people there that, like, kind of give a fuck about you. Like, you know, the person that, you don't want to call them riders right away, but you know that, like, they're they're on the right path to being a fucking rider for you. They're close enough, I'll share a drink with them. Exactly. Or I'll tell them about stuff. Like, yeah. Destin was one of the people that helped me get out of the funk I was in of getting broken up with. Like, he was... No, he wasn't the first person. I told you and Jake first, but... Yeah. He was, like, the first person in real life, I told. Because I went to work literally the following Monday, and I was just like, hey, dude, like, I need to fucking talk to you about something. And he, he was there for me, um, more so than any other other person, really, um, which is just a testament to finding good people in your life. You know, so that happens, and, you know, swing and miss with a few girls, but mill happens, and we had a good time. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to, uh, fast forward a little bit, two weeks I'll, I'll say the week in between like where my headspace was at i was still thinking like we were buzzing after mill we were despite how bad it went for me i was still buzzing off of mill yeah and i i kind of like dude after that night i kind of like took things into perspective i was just like this is really like my life and i was i was noticing like i have a lot of flaws mm. like there's stuff wrong with me still but there's what made you be so introspective at that moment i feel like after every time i'm on this like i ride this wave of like a super huge high hmm. you kind of have to like come down to earth eventually and you look back on it but i looked back on more so than just the high and i was looking at the low like a couple mm, three years ago i was fucking at the worst spot of my life i thought it was over i didn't i didn't want anything else other than to just live and feel normal to now feeling like this super huge high that not a lot of people get to feel yeah. And I was just, like, you know, kind of co- comparing and contrasting the two the two feelings I had um, and realizing that I did go through a lot. For the longest time, I kind of, like, people were telling me, dude, you're, like, the hardest motherfucker I know. Like, you went through a lot. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, And they're like, no, you are. And I realize it now. Like, what other 19-year-old do you know goes through dialysis yeah. and needs a kidney to live, can't go to school because he doesn't have functioning kidneys? Um, it's you know it was a lot to take in and like a lot of times a health problem will then just seep into every other portion of your life which is unfortunate because most of the time that just then affects your emotions how you view things yeah that's what I was going to get to like it affected my mental health a lot Mm -hmm. and I think there's this stigma nowadays it's getting better where mental health is more accepted but like I didn't want to tell a lot of people that I was, like, fucking depressed or, like, yeah. I had bipolar or the doctor said I was bipolar or, you know, this or that or the other. Like, it, it, it was a lot to, like, just really 
kind of like flesh out the whole idea of like what's going on with me and like who I am as a person. Yeah. And understanding that the next person that I put in my life or let into my life needs to know that about me, which kind of set me up for. It set me up for failure. Failure. Set you up for another one of those hundred ten percents. Yeah. With that said, you know, we'll segue to our second time on Mill. Um, yeah, how, how was your second time on Mill? Maybe you could let the you could lay the groundwork for that story. Um, it was it was different. I'd say that I just don't really like go out of my way to go see people right. or like meet people. Like I'm very much like in my own group of like five people, yeah. and that's like an optimistic five people. No, definitely. So. I don't know, I guess still just riding that high off of Mill the last time, even though I almost died. <laughs> we uh, went out again and went out with some new people that we wanted to meet. I thought that was really interesting because we don't really go out, just the two of us, to go meet people. Yeah. Like, that dynamic, and yeah. I thought that was really cool. And, like, you know, you even know, I didn't even want to go that night. Oh, yeah. No, I had to, like, almost fucking drag him out. But... I, I, you know, I basically came outside to go talk to my dad. I'm like, yeah, Asher wants me to go to Mill. I don't really want to go. And he's like, well, he's your friend, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, you should go, you know. What's the worst that can happen? And it kind of goes back to that Rogers Ryan mentality. Like, that's the thing that really got me out of the house. I was like, dude, he's my boy. He's been here for me. I'll be here for him. Um, yeah, I'll come to visit him in the hospital, but he won't come to Mill and drink yeah, with me. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. <laughs> so sure enough, I fucking get in the car and we go down to Mill for, the, for his second time. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, like you said, we were meeting new people there, and, fuck, uh, anyways, I had to, um, what did I have to, no, I didn't have to do anything, I, I went to Mill. You just had to be there, bro. I just had to be there, um, (laughs) and then I ended up meeting another girl, I feel like there's a fucking pattern to this, or it's just, like, I just keep meeting new people in my fucking life, but. You're always gonna meet people. Yeah, you're always gonna meet people, but what you decide to do is up to you, and I, I probably made the wrong choice at the time, especially getting out of, you know, this really serious relationship with this other girl. And I was still kind of on the same mindset of, like, I have to find somebody else. Um, so at first, you know, I find this new girl, and um, what I, I had asked her a Snapchat, but, you know, her other friend was like, call me a dumbass, like, ask her her number. So I was like, oh, fuck, that's a normal thing to do. My bad. Get her number, um, end up setting up a date with her, um, which you happened to crash at the time. Shout out Asher though for crashing that. He uh, is definitely a important moment for him to do that. <laughs> but um, you know, not to not to get into specifics because it, it happened not too long ago. Um, and you know, I don't know if this person is fucking re- listening to this right now or not. I just don't feel like airing out my dirty. Laundry. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, this is like one of those things where we should keep a couple more of these. Yeah, maybe, would, yeah, but, but you right know, and, not on our first one. No, and and also to um, yeah, just in case, there's always a chance. But uh, no, uh, <laughs> it was yeah, that relationship it ended obviously, and um, you know, a lot of people look at me and they're like, dude, why are you so fucking stuck up over this? But, um, you know, Asher really provided a lot of insight into it because he was, he was probably the closest person that actually got to witness it. Um, and just he knows me as a person because, what, fuck, at this point, we've known each other for, like, 12 years at this point. Yeah. Um, he he kind of knows what my behavior is like and my tendencies to do stuff and who I am as a person. And he knows I give a lot. And he also knows other people aren't willing to reciprocate that. And, you know, needless to say, that's kind of how it ended, like, 
gave a lot, didn't get anything back out of it, and uh, a lot of a lot of empty promises, maybe. That's a lot of relationships. It sucks. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it now brings us to our where we are now. We're li- Yeah, literally now we're just sitting here recording our podcast. And just talking about it, and, you know, that's just to say, you know, uh, you know, this is like this is us so far. You know, yeah. filling people in. I mean, obviously, a lot of people didn't know a whole lot. I uh, I talked a lot of, about a lot of stuff that um, people may have not heard before. Some of that I haven't even heard. Yeah. Um. And like, yeah, that's it. And I don't know. Like, is there any other questions you got for me? Um. I think we'll just move on to the uh, Q and A uh, from the story that we had posted earlier this week. Oh yeah, here I'm gonna we we uh, I put out a story, asked people to send in some questions. I'll um oh I have it right here actually. You want me to read them off to you? Yeah. Gotcha. So there's a question here about someone wants you to give advice to your younger self. Oh like, okay so. What are three things that you would tell your younger self? Definitely always go to the gym. Like, the gym is, is, is kind of like sacred ground. Like, not only are you improving yourself physically, but also mentally. And there's something to be said about, like, the feeling you have after leaving the gym, after, like, going hard. Like, it's that, that serotonin, that dopamine, that you that hit of, you know, those things that you get after leaving the gym. But also, it, it, it's a place where it's your place. Nobody else can take it from you. Yeah. So I'd say to my younger self, like, always go to the gym there are points in times where i didn't want to go to the gym because i just didn't feel good but needless to say going to the gym makes you feel better it's nice because that's so that's so simple like it's not change the way you think about this it's not like start eating something different yeah or like it's just as simple as going to the gym like cut out an hour yeah if that yeah like just do something physical and like you know one of my old coaches uh, shout out Brian Ling, bro for its uh, sport performance. You know, every time I would go in to his place to work out, like he fucking put us through these crazy workouts sometimes. And you know, I could go in knowing that like my homie just died. He was I was actually going to bro fit at the time when Carson died, and knowing that like my homie died, but I went to the gym regardless. And for that, you know, hour and a half, two hours I was there, I forgot about life. All the bad parts of my life. The only thing that matters was me getting through this workout, not not passing out. Um, so definitely go to the gym. Sometimes you need that where it's just like that meditative state where you're only thinking about the task at hand and you're not letting your mind just run around. Yeah. I think the second thing I, I could say is um don't don't trade don't trade your, your authentic self to be somebody you're not. Because that's that's really important. I, the main thing that strikes me saying that is like, I feel like some of these relationships I was in, I kind of like, at least not my most recent one, but my last serious one, um, the second the second serious one we'll call it. I kind of noticed I was changing myself to become somebody that they wanted me to be, but not necessarily who I was as a person, and that kind of uh. I became inauthentic almost, and I didn't like who I was as a person. Like, you know, I was doing stuff that normal me wouldn't do. And um, maybe it's something to be said about being in love with somebody. You kind of, like, change, and you don't even know you're changing. But I was changing for the worst. 
and I was doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing for this person. Um, so yeah, just don't don't trade your your authentic self for someone you're not. Always hold true to who you are, because um, you want people that like you for who you are. You don't want to put on this facade of someone you're not. So then you're working every time you go out. Exactly, you're not yourself, and and you're stressing about it. It's like, oh, what if I do this wrong again? I got I can't do this, even though normally I would do this or normally wouldn't do this. It's exhausting. Yeah, and then the third thing I would tell myself is um, don't be afraid to, like, go at it. Or don't be afraid to hold any punches. Like, if anything, leave it all out there. Like, you know, growing up, we had coaches that said, leave it all out in the field, whatever that meant. And at the time, you're just like, oh, whatever. But you can kind of apply that same mentality to life. Like, being somebody who almost died... um, there, I, you know, living with regret and knowing that you might die is something that um, it, it's it doesn't sit well with you. Mm. Um, and also, like personally, we've never done something. We've never regretted something by doing it. We've only regretted stuff by not doing it. Like going to mill, I didn't regret going to mill. The second time and ending up in that relationship, I didn't regret it at all. If anything, it taught me a lot about myself and like who I was as a person. Somebody else could have had that same situation happen to them, and then they're just yelling about it, and they're angry, and they're regretting it, and they're saying, I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to go out again and extend myself to meet another person because of how this one has left me. And I think that's all about perspective, and I think you have the right perspective there where it's Yeah, no, I, I definitely was at that point, getting out of the most recent relationship, where I'm like, why, why did I even do any of this? It was all wasted, but... Like you said, it's a perspective thing. Like it takes time. It's only a waste if you don't learn anything from it. Yeah. Um. So I guess you can you can do an addendum and add a fourth one. Like, always learn something from a mis- a mistake or from something not going right. Like the only way you lose in life is by not doing anything or not learning. There's a lesson in everything. Exactly. And there's more of a lesson in everything that doesn't work out. Yeah. Where yeah. you look like a failure. Big time. Like. Yeah. So those are like three things I would tell somebody that was younger, or my younger self. Like, to sum it up, go to the gym. Second thing is, um, I don't even remember what I said my second thing was. Of those three things, though, or 3.5, 3, 4, 4, Yeah. I think if someone wanted, if someone heard all four of those things, it's like, okay, I'd, come in whole, I'd have to become a whole new th- another person to do that. But uh, I think that yeah. if you even just tried to do one of those a day, or yeah. even one of those a week, <coughs> you'd see some major change, and... It's just practice. It's working your mind and working yourself into a routine of doing something over and over. No, yeah, definitely. All right, next question. So this one's interesting, I think, really for you, just because um, you don't see a lot of kids at 22, or I think you'd probably start around, like, 20, of, like, really making money. Yeah. Of having a more successful job than just, like, a little part-time job to pay for college and gas. Right. You were working at a talent agency for a bit. Yep. And then you moved over into more like a marketing job, which is more yeah. of like your major. Yeah. So um, they want to know, can money buy happiness? You know, that, that's such a cheesy question, but I think it's important. Um, I think... I think when you hear it, it's cheesy because so many people say, money can't buy you happiness. It, it can. It really can. Money is a means to an end. Working is a means to an end. People are like, oh, if you if you do something you're truly passionate about, you don't work a day in your life. It's not true. Working is a means to an end. 
uh, making money is a means to an end. Having money is a means to an end. Money can provide a lot of things. It can provide security. It can provide, you know, health to some people. Like for, in my case, like a kidney transplant, looking at the hospital bill is somewhere around $800,000. Like if I didn't have insurance, you know, and I didn't have any money, I couldn't get a kidney transplant. Um, and, you know, if I didn't have money, I couldn't afford to eat. If I didn't have money, I couldn't afford a house to live in. If I didn't have money, I couldn't drive to work to make money. But let's say on that last one, you couldn't drive to work. Let's say you just drove, like, a shitbox instead of the I, car I'd, you have now. I'd rather be the kid that drives a shitbox knowing that he's, like, grinding. Like, him buying an $800 car is a means to an end. Mm-hmm. It's... So he can get from A to B. He's not going to impress anybody. He's not going to go out and pick up chicks with it. But having it is is better than not having it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, so it I, is, is I'd say there's, like a, there's probably like an upper limit. Once your like base needs are met, Yeah. then I think it's almost easier to pursue that happiness. Right, and and you know, having money provides fi- financial freedom, right? Yeah, definitely. And financial freedom, I feel like we've had a lot of financial freedom. Like that's the reason. Well, sometimes not even that, but it's just like maybe we're stupid enough at the time to just buy something we probably should have bought just for the sake of having fun. But you know, financial freedom is really important because you don't want to be the dude stressing about how he's gonna make ends meet at the end of the month or he's barely scraping by. Like I've been there. My parents have been there. I've seen it firsthand, and it's not a good feeling to have. And less you know, stress, the better. That that kind of like turned me into the person I am today. Like seeing my parents struggle, I knew I never wanted to be. I remember in high school, even like being a sixteen year old, paying for my gas. I'm just like, fucking emptying out my piggy bank, mm-hmm. go cashing it in to get money to pay for gas to go hang out with my friends on the weekend. And I remember the stress that involved, and I I told myself I never want to feel this stressed out again. So that's that's kind of like why I, I kind of pushed myself career-wise to be in the spot I am in right now. Mm-hmm. This is probably a little bit similar to the um, the first question we had, but um, what are three non-negotiables that you have for the people that you choose to surround yourself with? The people that I guess you would, in this case, call family. Yeah, that, that's a big thing. I think, so three non-negotiables. One of them would be like, nobody I've surrounded myself with was lazy I mean maybe at times they're just like lazy but it, it lasted for no more than like you know say a week at most like everybody I surround myself with are like some fucking probably some of the hardest per- like working people I've known like they hustle they grind they're on their ass they're on their own ass to motivate them like I don't have to be the person to, to jumpstart them to go or I don't have to be the one that's calling them out yeah um but that goes along with my second point um, a lot of the people in my life that I surround myself with are receptive enough to criticism where they know that they're not they don't they don't know everything in the world I don't know everything in the world that's why the people that I I want to be around are the ones that call me out for my bullshit or for it's being like lazy humility yeah just being humble enough to know that you know just because I make X amount of money means you can't tell me shit no like you have a lot to learn from somebody that doesn't make as much money from you because they're the same people that are like busting their ass every day just to make that amount of money so that was kind of like a two for one or let's just say that's the second one I guess the third one would be also people that this is a college thing for sure it's like people that 
that that don't have to be like people that can just be themselves regardless of anything else like they don't need to go out like we've had friends where it's like the only thing we can do with them is like go drink with them that's all they want yeah um but people who can be themselves genuinely at any moment are the people i want to hang out with because you know if if i need to do something just to get their just to get the person i want out of them like i I have to get them drunk for them to be the happy person that i like hanging out with there's something to be said about that yeah um like you you really don't actually get along with them for who they are um so I guess, you know, that's kind of like one of those things where it's like, I like people that are genuine, that are like down to earth, um, which is like, you know, people are like, oh, what does that mean? But it's like, it's hard to explain, really. It's like... You know when you know. You, yeah, you know when you know. Like, there are people we went to school with that are like, daddy's money. Like, they all they all they have in life is because dad's money. And that's, they became this persona of like, I'm the rich kid. Yeah. They're only rich because they're parents. And like, that's not who they are genuinely. Without their parents, they'd be nothing. And, you know, and like some of my friends are, they don't they don't go out to like flex their money or to showboat or anything. Like they're just who they are genuinely, and you know I can see that and I know that they have good intentions. Like they go out of their way to, to like hang out with me, or I'll go out of their way, or I'll go out of my way to hang out with them. Like those are the people I want in my life. So you know you got to be motivated at the end of the day, and you got to be down to earth. Definitely. All these other ones are kind of stupid, not going to lie. You just knock them out real quick. Love you guys, but thank you for putting them. Uh, what is your goal for this podcast? Honestly, we don't even know. <clears throat> um, I, I kind of want this podcast to just be like... I think we're in a unique spot for being 22-year-olds. Like we've, Not to say that like we're, we're the greatest 22-year-olds ever, but we, we've lived a lot of life being 22-year-olds that a lot of other people haven't. So I think we, we have something to say, but also we're just curious. So I'd like for this podcast to just be like a, a space where people would just talk about, you know, important stuff like mindset. Things that and, we think other people should hear. Yeah, whether, you know, it's like dating advice or just life advice, you know, yeah. or even just like fucking shoot the shit. Who knows? Because a lot of that stuff we need to hear, and that's why we're saying it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I think that wraps it up yeah so that's our first one yeah that's our first one hopefully you guys learned a little bit about me and you know how we grew up a little bit and um yeah send us any dms if you have any thoughts on the podcast if you want us to change anything or like bring anything into it and i'm sure like a lot of the stuff that i touched on about today we could talk about further oh dude i bet half of it we could have one episode for each I will definitely have one. Like, if you want us to dive into anything. Yeah, just about relationships. Yeah. Or, or just any questions. Or college, honestly. or, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, without further ado, that was that was the first episode. Move with the grooves, move like that. And now we move with the grooves, move like that. Move with the grooves, move like that. And now we Can't waste this moment.
Once we lose it, gone forever instead of what if. Wish we could clone it. You and me, we could own it. Transform it and frame it. If we move and step together, synced in perfect arrangement. So what you aiming for? I'm humble, more settled these days. But I find you very stimulated. Enamored, sub, melted in your laser hot gaze. Cool vibes flowing with you, waiting in the waves. Breath stroking in the pressure you. I'm just digging the scene while he digging on me. On the way back to Queens, we'll move back leather seats. Munchies that scraps meats on the run like two thieves. Time to kill a night young, love just moving, I leave. As if I was cast to play your misses in the story like a period, it plays the end of sentences. This ain't the end, this the genesis. Appreciate you, honorable mention, dedication, let the music make it. Move with the grooves, move like that. Move with the grooves, move like that. And now we Another piece of the fabric, this magic Cause I'm a beast with the rabbit and the average Girls see me shooting right down the cleavage I'll never go without the best music I need This I'm spastic with jazz My homies here to show that we mastered the craft Turn your Sony up and blow back your wig piece If you dig grease, got the grimy on lock And make it knock through the big leagues Take that. 